Welcome to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial. Now, here's your host, Patrick Donahoe. Our guest today is uh, Scott Paul. So Scott, uh, Scott and I met a few few months ago, and uh, we were introduced by a mutual uh, acquaint- acquaintance of ours. And uh, we've actually met on and off, uh, maybe I think the most has been a couple times a month. Uh, but Scott is uh, an incredible individual, and he is, uh, I guess, for, for lack of a better explanation, in the technology uh, industry, and has uh, 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 created and, and started up, uh, start up a few companies and, and sold them, and has his, has his fingers in, in a lot of pies. And uh, he's given me some incredible, incredible ideas, and just our conversations are are something I always look forward to. So it's a pleasure to have him on the, the, the radio this morning. Scott, welcome. Thank you, Patrick. So Scott, I guess the, you know, as we were discussing what to, what to talk about today, um, I'm, I, I always, I love the entrepreneurial spirit. I love things that are created. Um, I, you know, because of the nature of our work, we talk to a lot of people and over the last, you know, five, six years, there's just been this over, overwhelming fear that people have about uh, our society, about the future, about the economy, and about technology, and and I, I look at that in a totally different light, in, in, in that I, I sympathize with the fear that people have, but I realize that through that fear, there is a ton of problems, and the reason for problems is uh, is the perfect breeding ground for, for, for entrepreneurs. And that's what gives me hope, is I, I love um, seeing people that actually create technology that are in that space and are figuring out ways to solve uh, some of the issues that people really are are having a hard time dealing with because it creates so much so much fear, um, and and obviously looking at what you do and where you're plugged in, it's always a fascinating conversation uh, with you just about what you're doing and about who you know and what other companies are are doing. So why don't you maybe just give our, our listeners a quick background on uh, maybe how how you became an entrepreneur? I mean, if it was in the family or it's just something you stumbled upon, uh, and then maybe some of the things that you've been doing in that space. Oh, perfect. Yeah. The I, that's a great question you start off with. Is it a, is it in the family or is it? How did I become an entrepreneur? Is, it, is that an innate, you know, a trait that we have in our DNA, or is it a, a learned uh, um, attribution? And I, I think that uh, I think that it was always a little bit in me. Um, although you don't realize until you're successful, you don't even really want to call yourself an entrepreneur until you've had maybe a sec- success behind you. Because most of my ventures for the first ten years were were failures. Even back to high school, I tried. In 1998, I tried building an online uh, community for selling dehydrated foods in, in, in high school. This was my. Oh, wow. This is right before the the Y2K that was coming out. So I'm like, you know what? There's this there's this mass rush to get like security and buy foods here in at least in Utah where I where I'm located. And so so I started so I started buying building websites for uh, uh, selling. Uh, foods and and like camping equipment and stuff huh. things that would if, if doomsday did come here's here's where you go and learned a lot really fast fast about how difficult it is to build an e-commerce website especially 1998 at the age of 17 it's not that easy but I, I was successful I, I, I officially uh, I was successful in the fact that I, I could make enough income that I, I I quit my day job which at the time was high school <laughs> and I went into uh, I went to college instead and did my credits um, two days a week at, wow. at the local university while running a business that took me all around the country. And so that was probably pretty good indicator at that time at a 17-year-old that I was, an, I, was a, I was probably a born entrepreneur. I was a startup guy. Uh, funny enough, though, I never really, uh, I never really got, I, I never really got back it, into it until about 28 is when I, is, uh, so, you know, that was a 10-year gap where, I started that. I, I, it didn't work out. There was no doomsday. The, the, I was way too early on doing e-commerce for food, and it, and it, and it failed. And, and then I went to a series of working for other people. You know, mm-hmm. working and watching other, uh, always at startups. I was always at startups, but I always, I was always, you know, kind of their lead marketing or sales. And I was, and I was, I think it was the best thing I could have ever, ever done because I, I got to watch on other people's dime. You know, cool. watch the business building process, learn what. What they did right, and what they did wrong, and I did that through my twenties. I was married, you know, having kids. I needed a little stability, at least I thought, right? Your wife probably needed it. She, de- <laughs> yeah, she definitely wanted to have a little more stability, and and uh, and then 
and and then it hits. You know, you you just can only do that for so long when you're when you were a born you know entrepreneur. And so, and and I did have a dad who always you know runs ran his own company. So I mm-hmm. was I was used to seeing someone work for you know that you can be successful working for yourself and you know kind of run you know build, kind of working towards your own destiny. And so I, I it was it was in me at some point to strike out again. You know, seventeen. It's been you know ten years. I, I knew I needed to do something. So what did I what did I go strike out and do? In 2007, I, 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 I was online and I saw these drones in, in, in uh, Germany getting built, these, these eight, they're called octocopters at the time. And this was before everyone was getting drones in, for yeah. Christmas, you know, it's now 2014, ago, 15. Yeah, yeah this, was, this was, they were $8,000 a piece and I started buying them carbon fiber frames and you know, shipping them over here to the U.S. And try and put cameras on them to go do film, you know, doing this really crazy film for real estate and for uh, national parks, and and uh, I realized this was not a good idea when you know the very first time we got it airborne, it uh, it took off, went uh, with its own brain and took itself across the field <laughs> into a baseball game, crashed on first base. You know, this spider-looking, this black spider, flying spider, crashes on first base and blows up. Not only did I lose my eight thousand dollar investment, but I you're all over the news. Yeah, too, I, I, I alien been, invasion I on first base. Exactly, I could have been. A, I could have been a. Luckily, we got out there before anyone got pictures or whatever. But it was a. It was it, every crash was expensive, and every time I flew, there was a crash. And I mm. said, this this is not unless I get into manufacturing, which is something I don't know anything about. I don't think this is going to be a scalable business, and. Uh, and it led me to some other things, but you know, it, it, it's. I always tell people that when I go speak at universities about entrepreneurship, it's you have to have these these failures because they out of them, you know, like a phoenix, you find the the right idea, mm-hmm. and and so the irony of that failed business was that it led to um, a series of successes or mm-hmm. successes and failures mm-hmm. after that um, with that drone stuff. And so I can go into that or you can ask me other questions. No, no, that's, I mean, obviously, you know, fa- failure is something that's really difficult for people. Because that's, that's really the, the, the barrier that most people face in, in wanting to go off on their own and even be, even be self-employed. Because if you have the safety and security of a, of a job, then you all, all people in a sense i think have these ideas that you know that they would want to actually create but yet the fear of of failure is what inhibits them from from doing so um but no that's i mean obviously the you know we could probably list off a lot of a lot of different failures um but in that i i assume you know based on your experience in high school you had that you know kind of that that uh, that natural drive that was pushing you even though you were employed by somebody else pushing you to get off on your own because you you know that if you didn't do that, it probably would have haunted you for for a, for a long time, based on the success that you had in high school. But after you know, after this drone, after this drone business, um, how did that push you into maybe the the companies that were successful or the businesses that were successful? Well, I think I really learned at the time that I don't. I, I started asking myself, what's the best case scenario for what I'm trying to do right now? Like, what would success look like if I pulled that off with these drones? And I started to realize that it's a lot of work. For me to figure out uh, what, you know, figure out some scalable, like was I going to have an army of drones that were filming? Was that was that really going to happen? You know, because that was the only way. Otherwise, it was m- me and my equipment going around, you know, like like as if I had a paintbrush painting houses. I couldn't really scale it unless I built an army of drones, and that mm-hmm. wasn't going to happen. The FAA didn't even wasn't even legal what I was doing <laughs> at the time. But come to find out, it was a gray area. So I think the lesson I learned was like. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try something that that hopefully makes a little bit of money, you know, while I'm sleeping, or has the potential of doing that. Um, and and that wasn't the case with with filming and building drones. Mm. So what it led to was I I was as I was filming all these videos of a lot of it was for like hotels and uh, and and um, tourism agency boards of you know for cities and okay. counties and and I. And I'm like, wow, we have all this great content of, of places to go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make and 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 then this is about um, let's fast forward. This is about 2010 actually when okay. the iPad came out. And I'm looking at the industry of like, I go to all these hotels and I see these brochure racks with uh, a bunch of things to do in the area. You know, you can think of any destination where you go, and there's usually a brochure rack of yeah. paper. You know, go fly on this hot air balloon, go try these snowmobiles here in Utah we have a lot of outdoor activities mm-hmm. and that and so I was and that's where I was based and I thought you know what wouldn't this be good to just 
throw all these this paper into one digital experience on this new iPad, this new touchscreen, video playing, yeah. audio, um, you know, uh, enabled iPad. And and so I said, I'm gonna make this app that lets uh, puts all this video that I'm making with these drones and video, you know, and all the all the information. I'm gonna I'm gonna create really interactive experiences for uh, hotels that show what what to do around them. You know where to go eat, where to go play, where to um, you know just events, everything. I was going to make an app, mm-hmm. an event app, and and I started down that path, but I quickly realized that uh, it was it was it was it was difficult to sell the hotels on you know giving them this free iPad and letting it you know sit in their lobby and then going and finding all the advertisers, and it was going to take a lot of time. But as I was going around asking all the hotels, you know, talking to the customers, which is really important in, in entrepreneurship, is you. you you, you don't just come with an idea to start building. You've yeah, got to go talk to your, your audience. You've got to go talk to your potential customer, yep. hundreds of them. Yep. And I and I did, you know, maybe about twenty or thirty, and I started realizing that they didn't really want my app, but they loved this idea of an iPad being on their lobby, hmm. uh, in their lobby, showing their rooms, showing their amenities, whatever, checking in, checking out. They they're fascinated by that that piece of technology hmm. sitting on their front counter, and so I ended up making a, a stainless steel cage for this iPad essentially that lets it sit there be secure and it couldn't get uh, it couldn't uh, be stolen it could also mount to the wall it could be on a stand oh, cool. a pedestal and this this that piece of hardware this prototype piece of hardware is what everyone wanted and so I put, took a picture of it br- called it I, I got a website called ipadenclosures.com and 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 I it started indexing and people started searching for iPad enclosures they wanted all around the country and the world actually. My first customer was Australia, and then Germany, and then <laughs> London, and and uh, we called this first, you know, I, this metal cage for the iPad. We called it the full metal jacket. And if you search that in Google today, you'll you'll find it. It's still sold. We sold probably ten million dollars of this full metal jacket. That's and, amazing. And that whole company turned into a, uh, the, you know, the, we pivoted away from doing the app and we became a hardware company and built. Ar- it was now called Armor Active. So that's a that's an interesting, you know, way of of going from drones into building a stainless steel hardware for iPads and it all happened within a few short months of, of <laughs> so. did you so and I don't know I'm not sure if, if you because I, I don't know much about about that company but did you did you guys manufacture the enclosures here in the US or were they right manufactured? Here in, right here in Salt Lake City actually yeah, so just recently they started going a company bought us in the, this last year and they took um, some took of the production the out overseas but um, until then we were all here in in the U.S. and mostly here in, in my hometown of Salt Lake. So how did you? I mean, you looking at your looking at your network of how you built built that business. Like, who? How did you figure out the manufacturing side of things? I mean, obviously you knew how to build a website. You knew knew how to, to gather interest of people. But how did I, you get to I the knew point where you nothing about it? So yeah. my idea, of, uh, I I used to think something of this. And this is no lie. I thought if you were to make something out of metal, you would go and get like hot lava from the volcanoes and, and throw it into like some. <laughs> Into some mold, <laughs> and out comes a product. I had, and then you maybe sand it down. I had no idea how manufacturing works, and like there's lasers that cut metal, like fascinating. So, so, so I I, I soon realized like okay, this is how it works. But how did I go and learn that? Well, uh, my network. I had a I had a brother-in-law who made uh, pieces, you know, custom grills for four-wheelers mm-hmm. and uh, for. Um, uh, you know, four by fours, and so this, this, the, he, he, he kind of showed me like, well, to bend a piece of metal and put a lock on it, you're going to need, you know, uh, a press, and you're going to need some lasers, and you're going to cut the raw steel, and this is how we do it. And, and then I, I, as ignorant as I am, I just started going around to these fabrication shops and saying like, this is what I want to do. This is the iPad. Here's, you know, the first time they've seen the iPad is brand new, and like, yeah. it needs to fit in there, it needs to stay in there, and, uh, and I also want to be able to mount it to uh, the wall, and I need it to. Um, maybe also fit this other thing called, you know, now Galaxy had come out, you know, with their Zoom or something. Yeah, I, there, yeah. was new, there was new uh, things. So I need to fit several iPads. So I was giving them my requirements and they were, and, and, and I was having sales. So they were happy to come on board and help prototype with me. So I didn't and hire engineers. I would use the fabrication shops to, and they saw the volume of sales that were following me and said like, okay, this could be a good client. Well, they were right. One of those clients here in Salt Lake is, um, did millions and millions of dollars of production for us because um, he took a bet on us and said, like, here's a guy who has a, a, a sell. You yeah. know, he's selling something. He doesn't understand my world, but yeah. I can make this for him and, 
and you can have a really good symbiotic relationship. And so, so how big did the because because you sold this company? How big did it get that the, before you before you sold? Like how many employees did you have? How big was we had the about operation? 40, we had about forty employees at the max, and uh, and I think we employed a lot more vendors and stuff here in the valley, and uh, and uh, it was it was doing you know close to ten million before we sold it, and and it was uh it was only two and a half three years old, you know. So it was, a, and it was a hardware company. So very, very difficult to start building a, a B2B, mind you. Our consumers yeah. were not um, We're not consumers, they weren't consumers. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were selling to Apple, we sold to all the biggest companies for their, for internal use. You know, a lot of point of sale systems were huh. u- using our product. A lot of conference rooms were putting iPads on the you know, outside of the, the rooms. And so these were all um, businesses buying our business. So, so it's a B2B hardware company to exit and to be profitable and exit in a few years. And we were profitable day one. We actually never uh, ran a loss. It was incredible. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Well, talk talk a little bit about, uh, there's two things I want to address. The The first thing is, obviously you saw, you know, the, you saw this initial issue and you still see them today where we have these racks of brochures. And yeah. I was in Florida last week and same th- every hotel that you go to, they have these, you know, go to, to this thing and to that thing. And it's all these like paper brochures. Yeah, it is. Um, so you still have kind of that, that, and you did it started in 2007, was it 2010? Well, 2010. 10, that's when the iPad came yeah. out. Yep. Um, so obviously you saw, you saw a, a problem and oftentimes when you see, when you see people that, you know, have a way of doing things, it's very difficult to get them to, to fix something that isn't, isn't broken. But you basically came in there and said, listen, this is, th- this is essentially, you know, something you can put into, uh, put into your hotel or put into your, to your space that will make you look. Like you're a new, you know, yeah. new age. You have the, you have the yeah, iPad. Yeah, you have the iPad there. So ironically, I didn't solve the very problem I set off though, because there's still, you still see paper brochures. For sure, you, there's yeah. companies trying to do that, but it's, you're, I think your point is, it's really hard to fix old ways and habits of, yeah. you know, we're so used to printing paper and and you, know, you don't fix what's not broken. Yeah, it's it's been working for hundreds of years, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and it's the whole. I don't know if you read the the zero to one, the the Peter Peter Thiel book, which he he talked about the zero to one is the idea that an entrepreneur. Doesn't I mean? In, in this is not an, an absolute uh, rule, but they they don't necessarily you know innovate something or better something. Like you don't make a better Starbucks, but they take something that doesn't exist and make it exist. So that's essentially what you did because essentially the iPad was there that was made, but there didn't exist necessarily uh, an enclosure system to actually mount it and have usability of, of a business. So you actually found a, a problem that existed and actually created a solution to it. Absolutely, yeah. There, there wasn't, and that's just it. There wasn't a ecosystem around the iPad to safely secure it in public spaces or keep it from getting stolen. There's a lot of consumer cases getting built, but I, I do think it's it's definitely nice to have a company like Apple who has such can deeply penetrate like the market space with and and the and the companies that come around it. You know, there's other successful companies here in in Utah that did the same thing, whether it be screen protectors or you know speaker systems with them. It's uh, but but yes, those those new items, those revolutionary items like iPhone and iPad, create completely new industries where problems need to be solved. Because um, that's not Apple's job. They don't they don't have teams trying to figure out how to make that work in in, in restaurants the way. Mm-hmm. It's, and they they rely on the on the creativity of thousands of entrepreneurs to make the products for their for their company that, you know, be make, used in yeah. different in different ways. And so it's it's it's, it's you know maybe that's another lesson I kind of learned is yeah. if you're going to try to do something new and you you know it's always nice to do it in the on the on a wave or on a tail of a of an innovation that's happening something monumental as a, a new the tablet was a new thing yep. we hadn't seen anything quite like it Mm-mm. and so it's you you kind of you kind of mitigate some of your risk by getting into that into that world i think of of of, of being a um, you, know, it's, you, you don't get the limelight that apple gets but you, mm-hmm. you definitely uh, can innovate still within that framework. That's interesting. So talk. I mean, it, it sounds like you you speak to to audiences about being being an entrepreneur. I, w- I remember listening to an economist uh, a few years ago, and he talked about kind of the paradox associated with teaching a person to be an, an entrepreneur. Because I think you have, is it one of those things that you can actually teach, or is it something that you know a, a person actually has to uh, to develop or have naturally a, a part of them, the the natural drive and and maybe a, a higher risk tolerance to, to actually get beyond the barrier of fear that most people have when they want to they want to innovate. What what do you see? So basically, my question would be like as as you've taught someone being an entrepreneur, like where where do you see the opportunity? Do you feel that everybody? Whoops. Do you feel that everybody can be uh, an entrepreneur, or do you feel it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's kind of those na- naturally built into somebody? Yeah, that's that's 
great question. And uh, and I would go as far as say that it's like, I don't know if everyone's even capable of working at a startup, you know, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a, not just being the entrepreneur or the, the trailblazer, but even being in the wake of the, you know, the founding teams or being in a startup, it's just not built for everyone. I've learned that, I think, over the last little while. I've, I advise tons of companies at the moment just because uh, of some experience I now have in doing mobile apps and app marketing. And so I, I uh, see all the, here in Utah, I know all the mobile app startups. And, and you just, and I start, and, and I'm doing this self-assessment as I meet everyone, is, is that, is, 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 is his success going to be on his idea, on his ability to be an entrepreneur? Is it going to be on his team? I'm trying to see what ingredients Interesting, um, yeah. make up a good uh, startup or an entrepreneur. And there is no, uh, there really is no formula. But I can say this much, like it does, there's so much good literature now out there about how to start a company that you don't have to start from zero. Like I think even 10 to 20 years ago, there wasn't, there wasn't that much. I, I was at the MBA at the University of Utah, and I once I was able to get past my core classes, there was entrepreneur classes that I could take. It's kind of contradictory in an MBA program to have, you know, things that teach you not to go be recruited by the big the big firms, yeah. but to go out and start your own thing. And that's yeah. that's a trend that's happening in every school now. So yeah. so you can actually at least at least get exposed to entrepreneurship in a in a more formal way than than just quitting your day job because you have an idea. You can, you, there's books, there's, there's ways to uh, see if you have the, aft, you know, if, if you have the aptitude to be a, to be an entrepreneur. And then there's communities, there's, there's incubators mm -hmm. all over now. There used to be just a few 10 years ago, just a few, and now there's thousands. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, and the angel community and the VC community and the startup, like, you know, funds that are all around there. It's, it's, it's changed. It's probably, you've got, you've got Shark Tank on TV, you yeah, know, you see yeah. this. And so, there's, there's, it's almost like it's vogue right now, um, startup and entrepreneurship. It's, 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 it's and so, so I think that you can quickly find out without actually going into it, all, you know, all the way and, yeah. and, and scaring, you know, your wife and kids to <laughs> not having Christmas. You can do it by maybe, you know, getting involved with, at some of the community events and, and going to some of the pitches and going to, uh, maybe, maybe even mentoring or trying to be involved in a startup in some way, at, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a more passive way, and see if that does that. You know, learn learn from afar before you jump in all the way, and see if it's something that's innate with you, or if it's just like you know what, I've, I've seen enough to learn from others. That's just it's not my not lifestyle. I like my nine yeah. to five. I I live in. I have uh, three brothers that are two brothers and a brother-in-law that are close to my age. They all work for Exxon Mobil and you know the biggest, second biggest company in the world, um, and down in Houston, yeah. doing you know the opposite of my life in sense of security and 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 so it's it's and we all came from an entrepreneurial dad, but they they went this very different route and uh, they have a little bit of it in them, but you know they find joy and satisfaction nine to five and and, mm -hmm. to, and to be solving really big problems and I I couldn't necessarily do what they're doing, but um, I think I always had a little more of the bug. You know, it was, it was, it was definitely a overdose in, in a, an entrepreneur bug. And I, and I would tend to, I would tend to agree with you because I, I think these days, uh, on the point that it's, it's a lot less risky and the, I, the idea behind having an idea and trying to actually get that into the marketplace, it's much less expensive, it's much easier, and you don't have to quit your day job necessarily to do that. And I know, I mean, I know a lot, but I think there's people around the world that can be part of your, your essentially your network or your community to help leverage the things that you're not necessarily the, the best at. I mean, obviously you had to go out and find, you know, a, a fabrication place to make, you know, mm -hmm. make the molds and, and so yeah. forth. But if somebody has a website idea or an app idea, or they have a, you know, just, I don't know, just any type of idea that you can, you know, they have, com there's companies like Elance and Guru mm -hmm. and, you know, places where you can go to, to, to leverage people in India or leverage people in China or around the world to, to build a website or to build an app or to, or to write or write something for you, to copyright yeah. something for you. And, and it's, it's fascinating to see kind of how all of these, all these technology are, are working in this, in this space so that people can, you know, observe a problem or observe an issue and figure out a way to, to solve that problem with their specific innovation. And that's kind of the question I wanted to, I wanted to ask you is, uh, looking at you know, looking at the issues that we do have as a society, because we have a lot. There's a lot of things going on. There's there's a there's a, a larger there's there's a, a big reason to be afraid. But at the same time, it also presents 
an incredible amount of, of opportunity. So what do you, I mean, looking at what you did with, with Armor Active and looking at your success there, that probably opened up your gaze, took your blinders off, and now you see the world a little bit different and are now able to see you know, issues that you can essentially come in and, and create a technology or create a business or create a system to help solve it. Do you, I mean, how, how do you, how do you, uh, how would you encourage an entrepreneur just, you know, go for their dream and, mm -hmm. and, and go out on a limb and actually do something that'll make, that'll make a difference. Do you think there's a lot of opportunity for that now? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a good time. I, I can't, I can't say that, um, I think we're in a upswing where, where we're in an entrepreneurial friendly, you know, time of the economy where, where there's lots of funding happening in the space. I can't, I can't say that'll last forever. We've been in times where there wasn't that and, and, and jumping out, going out on a limb and jumping off a cliff and getting, you know, doing entrepreneurship wasn't as uh, rewarding or it was a lot riskier. Mm -hmm. But I, I do believe that um, if you're passionate about solving, if, if you're the person who goes around and sees uh, problems, and I would say real problems, you know, there's, there's always money to be made in, in, you know, figuring out some way to arbitrage a marketplace or something. But if you find something that's just, you know, like this, this solving this would actually really solve a problem for me. That's a problem that I have every day. And, and that, that, and, and I, I would also do a little more of a gut check. Is that a first world problem or is it something, is it a problem that you could actually, uh, that could actually penetrate third world, uh, you know, uh, issues and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, 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 that's where I think those are worthy for, those are worthy causes for jumping off a cliff or, you know, and getting out on a limb for it. It's, it's something where you are going to solve a problem, not just your problem, but maybe, you know, more than that. And then there's other problems that you can make money with. You can go, you know, make a fun game on the iPhone or something, possibly mm -hmm. make some money and, mm -hmm. you know, but, but, but we don't need more games. I'm the first to tell you that there's no, <laughs> there's too many games out there. I work, I, I work in a company right now where we, yeah, we promote a lot of games and I, I just want, I, I just wish that a client would come through, you know, our, 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 uh, roll decks that wanted to promote something, you know, substantial yeah and, and and you know it's not there's good games i love minecraft my kids have become creators using minecraft but a lot of it isn't i'm not gonna say it has a net positive effect on the world and i know that'll get some haters out there <laughs> saying this is not what they wanted to hear but but uh it's a good time there's nothing to there's nothing to fear like there's so many problems to be solved still there's so many um uh, you know amazing that just like the ipad invented opportunity for me there's so many uh, things that I'm seeing uh, that are platforms like the iPad that need complementary goods. I, I just was talking to someone the other day that there's now Uber that's all over the place, and he's making a concierge um, and you know an app that goes in the back of every Uber with an iPad in our enclosures and stuff. And it's like that's awesome. He's now piggybacking on, on Uber. another big yeah. um, industry. And yeah. Is that a massive problem? Do you need do you need to like know where mm. you're going, what the weather is while you're in Uber? Not necessarily, but it's a good. It's 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 worth it's worth going out and prototyping and seeing if if uh, if there's customers there and if, if Uber would you know comply and maybe let you put it in there and that's what exactly what they're doing, but then there's these deeper questions of can I can I change something substantial to maybe lessen the fear that I have like if if, if you have a fear that you know you're you're gonna uh, you're gonna be unemployed or someone's gonna be employed in your family and you don't know how to get them work and and this is actually something that I have personally I, I see a. I've been helping a lot of uh, th there's a group called the International Rescue Committee. They they do uh, work with refugees, mm. and um, I feel that there's a ways that we could in the labor markets give more refugees work. And I saw this at Armor Active when we would hire assembly teams to come in. And so I'm one of my tasks right now that I f that I'm trying to uh, go down and and figure out is. Is is there a way to make the labor markets more um, liquid, more more? Uh, can we get can we get more jobs in more people's hands to, to help them sustain their own life? And I because I, I I eat with this family here in town from Iran who's refugees here in our in Salt Lake City, and they they can't get enough hours at Walmart to keep their heat on, and that's where they're working right now. You know, pushing the carts at the local Walmart that I shop at, and and I that's a real to me that's a real problem. That's yep. not that's not a game. You know, a new game that might be hot on the App Store. That mm -hmm. is like. I want that family to have clothes and heat, uh, and and so I'm thinking, what do what as an entrepreneur, what as an entrepreneur, what can I do to solve that problem? Because I, you know, I did a little bit for them for Christmas, mm -hmm. but that's not sustainable. Giving them, um, 
gifts. It's, it's a one-time thing. It's a one-time thing. Yep. What can I do with the the brain and the and the risk-taking, you know, uh, abilities? I'm going to call it mm-hmm. that I have. Uh, what can I do in that wor- work uh, in that world? And that's what I'm working on. Is is a, a I think I have a solve to at least help him for when he doesn't have enough hours at Walmart. I'm going to find a way that he can quickly pick up hours somewhere else because I would have I would have hired him at my last company to come assemble things um, and paid him a good price actually yeah. more than I was uh, paying I, I don't want to go too far into my idea here because yeah. it'll, it'll expose what I'm trying to launch here but uh, <laughs> but uh, I think there's a I think there's a fix I think we can create a lot more liquidity in the in the in the in the in the kind of the minimum wage uh, workforce so let me ask you this question. So, because obviously you're you're at this point where where now instead of necessarily having a technology that would you know entertain somebody or maybe improve the way something's done, but now obviously affecting you know more uh, social social problems and social issues. But but looking at your history, w- do you think the the fact that you built built websites got plugged into the technology and the entrepreneurial space? That you built built the company, sold sold it off. You're involved with other companies, um, and even with ch- with kids playing playing Minecraft and learning how to create create things. Uh, do you think that there's elements of you know uh, of creating a good foundation so that the, the the knowledge infrastructure exists so you can be able to cre- you know to solve those those you know second and third world issues and those social those social because there's there's a lot. I mean, look if you go down the 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 path of social issues. I mean, we have a huge social issue that's coming up, which is you know the the baby boomer generation living five, ten years past, maybe even longer past what they think, yeah, and not being prepared to retire at sixty and live to ninety five, yeah. Uh, you, you have a lot of fear associated uh, with that, but so there's some you know major uh, opportunities in that space to help the older, the aging generation. Um, live you know, with uh, with less expense and get by and have healthcare costs mm-hmm. less and and the technology behind just you know healthcare in general I mean, you have a ton of opportunity there but looking at somebody that is you know wor- working for, for another company and to come in and try to solve those problems do, do you think that you know even though that's where you are right now that there's still value maybe not in creating like you know a new emoji or, or whatever <laughs> but it's uh, th- the value in you know being able to get into to something, something that'll help kind of be, expand your mind into the possibilities, and get you get you to the point where you actually are capable and knowledgeable and talented enough to actually create a, a technology that will solve this this labor so, issue. So you're asking, um, like, what do you? Is there value in surrounding yourself with, like, like? I, I, maybe rephrase yes. the one. Thing. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give maybe I'll give you an example. So so like well, let's, let's use your let's use your kids. I'll use my yeah. my kids too. So right now, you know, in in school, I think you know teachers are using technology. Schools are using yeah, technology, yeah. but at the same time is it's it's to do the exact same thing. It's not necessarily to solve problems or, or create things. No. I don't know. If kids are taught to create as much as as they as they should, and especially now with their knowledge and grasp of technology. There's a huge opportunity cost there, and I'll give. So the example I'll give you is there's a teacher for my. She was actually a teacher of both of my kids, um, but she, uh, you know, had this. She supposedly had this like expertise and, and masters in technology for education. So I was having a conversation with her once, and and I, I said, well, so what do you think about Khan Khan Academy? Yeah. And Khan Academy is one of these. You know, everybody know everybody that's in education and technology knows about Khan Academy. She's like, oh, what's what's that? Oh no. So I'm like, oh man, I'm not. <laughs> Yeah. Where'd you get your degree again from again? But, but my point is, you know, looking at teachers and looking at what they're fostering into their into their children, it's not the creative side of things to, no. to solve problems. So my point was, even though your kids are creating, creating or, or playing Minecraft, they're le- they're learning to create. Yeah, getting into games and getting onto phones. I mean, even though there's not necessarily a sense of productivity there, it's still an element or part of the education that's required to be able to solve the third world problem. So my question better phrase was do you do you think that everything you've done as an entrepreneur up to this point that didn't necessarily solve third world second yeah. world social problems do you think it's it's positioned you to solve those problems that's a great point and and i would say absolutely yeah. because um I, I i see a lot of people maybe trying to start with solving a third world problem going to peace corps trying to do stuff um right out of high school or or you know and and, and i think that I'm better positioned having learned some of the 
ways to operate in the private um, side of things to go back and then take that to a to a, a more of a social problem. I actually I would I would almost always suggest go go learn how economics works because if you the social problems are mostly going to be solved through the same economic models that iPhone games and apps are solved. Yeah, through. great point. And so I, I, I think that it's absolutely positioned me. And the way I'm trying to position my kids is, uh, and I have an eight-year-old who's dyslexic, and 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 a lot of people that would be a hard thing for him. I, I'm like, awesome. She's great. She's got that creative side to yeah. her. That that you know, I, I'm, I'm fighting with my wife right now to help. I'm trying to make her a YouTube star because I know <laughs> because I know that's her world. She would go crazy on on showing kids uh, Pokemon on YouTube and yeah. stuff. And and it's because my other business actually deals with uh, creating um, social celebrities, <laughs> um, because it, that's what that's what it's something that is is uh, you know on these Vine and Instagram you can do that today. Yeah. And so I know that world, and 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 she can pay for her whole college after a few years of, of becoming <laughs> a YouTube less. celebrity or, yeah. or less if yeah. you're. And so I'm and, and I want I don't want to do that. She's a little young. She's eight, but uh, but I want but mostly I want to give her exposure to how that economy works, how the economy of of creating interesting content that people watch and mm -hmm. then why the ad revenue would you know be funding that and yeah. how she could become her own yeah. her own uh, economic engine by by being you know by by reviewing pokemon cards yeah. it's it's or, or minecraft walkthroughs there's some there's some millionaires out there right now because they have minecraft channels on youtube yeah, no, millionaires well, there's one they're, kid. Yeah, they're yeah, younger than 18 yeah, yeah. it's insane right that's the world we're in, and that's the and, and the be the beauty is, I mean, a lot of those those that, those success stories are with young, with younger people in the in the millennial they are. They're generation. They're getting younger and younger. And so I think you know, lo looking at looking at kind of that that type of social mo movement, uh, that's incredibly uh, commendable. Uh, there's a there's there's a, a guy that I've interviewed before, and he wrote a book called The Social Capital Capitalist, mm -hmm. and it talks a lot about that idea, which is. You know, be an entrepreneur, but be an entrepreneur to actually solve those, you know, those social problems that exist. And they they ran and sold a, a successful drug and re, uh, alcohol rehab mm -hmm. center. And now they're doing using this. They sold it and they're using the same model uh, for um, for uh, war. They call them warriors, but guys, you know, veterans of, of foreign wars, yeah. people that come back, poli police people that go through traumatic events and how to use kind of the same things they were using with the system they had before to, to solve those issues as opposed to. Leaning on the government to, to solve those problems, yeah. which t it tends to be tends to be the case. Yeah, we all know how that all, that yeah, works exactly. out. <laughs> but the but the pro the thing is, I I mean that's what's that's what's exciting about obviously it's entrepreneurial space and this huge boom that's existing in Silicon Valley and all the funding because it's it's given people this this drive to get into that space. And although there may not be this social cause or mission behind it, it's still kind of it, it educates entrepreneurs to the point where. When these societal problems present themselves, you know you you obviously have a, you know kind of a col a collective uh, army to help solve those solve mm -hmm. those issues. And I just I mean, I, I I mean there's so many so many issues that are that are, that exist right now, like the one the labor one that you're talking about. But there's so many coming down the pipe. And instead of being afraid, I mean obviously it's it's the you know have an op optimistic uh, perspective. Look at you know, look at you know, hundred hundred years ago, what the world was like then, or, or even less than hundred years ago. We had World War II and and uh, you know the Holocaust, and you had all these massive issues and problems that have existed throughout humanity, but and now we have our our share. But looking at where we're at as a society, it's incredibly exciting to look at the technology world and how that's going to play into a lot of these a lot of these solutions. Yeah, and I and one you know one note on on how do you kind of think about it as you're going about your day. I I keep a it can be a notepad, but I use Evernote and I mm -hmm. um, record all my ideas and and you know, every single one I have, uh, I try to get jot down really quickly and I can address it later. And and it's and I kind of have this own system. They, you know, some keep bubbling to the top and they keep bubbling. I keep re-encountering that problem. And I start sharing that idea with somebody. All the you know, every time I have something on my mind, I, I actually start sharing it just like I did before we started recording with mm -hmm. you. And and I really think that's a really good way to vet some of the ideas. Is is not not just share the idea, but ask the people you're around if they have a problem. Don't tell them what you're trying to solve, but try to discover if that problem exists for them, um, and 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 that kind of can help validate if uh, if that idea is one worth chasing. And and so I really my time right now is really spent uh, around around ideas, around the the you know the embryo of ideas, and 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 what does it look like getting it you know as it starts to take form, and how and how do you when do you decide to kind of let one go to second tier and keep those others in the first tier and 
and uh, and a lot of that comes to how much keeps bubbling top of mind, my, mm. my mind and how much I keep seeing and it, it happen in, in society where it, it definitely needs to solve. And a lot of times I'm hearing issues with uh, labor and people not having jobs. And I have a retired father-in-law who, who, would, who needs, I think, needs to have something to fulfill his time with. And I would love to give him that option to, to just quickly and really with lots of fluid go try opportunities to, to work and add value. And, 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 I, and I, that's what I'm trying to develop. But uh, I was going to say, uh, with all this technology that we have, I'm also a phone addict. And, uh, and so I've actually, one of my latest things I'm going down a path to as, as we speak right now is I'm, uh, a friend and I are starting a, a retreat down in Zion, Utah. It's a national park down, uh, you know, and, and we're right outside of there. We're going to do a retreat, a four-day get away from technology. A phone fast. Uh, yeah, technology exactly. fast. And it's going to be it's going to be around stoic philosophy. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a kind of a stoic retreat where you kind of get rid of a lot of things. You know, we're not there to um, – it's not even a networking event. We're trying sure. to bring less than 30 people down there at mm-hmm. a time to just – Talk about you know life and what are we really all after at the mm. end of the day? Because like you see so many, what it's really, at, at, you know I'm 34 and when I meet someone who's 70 and it's just still cranking away at trying to do his 20th company, and you know he's busier than ever and maybe he doesn't seem content. You know that's one mm-hmm. thing I always look for contentment. Like mm-hmm. and I, I ask myself what is it? Um, I, I I look at that person and I say I don't want to be that at 70. I want to be someone who's very content and and doesn't need to be doing the same rodeo, you know, year after year after year. Mm-hmm. I hope that at that time I'm sharing some wisdom or helping some other person or helping a real big social problem, mm-hmm. but that I'm also have a piece about me. Yep. And, and I, and I, I I'm, I'm wanting to address those right now and start to figure out what philosophy of life do I need to, you know, embed in my daily activities to, to make sure that I, that at 60 or 70, that I, that I have the same feelings I'm having now that mm-hmm. I am at peace. And, and actually right now I could say that, I'm actually closer than I've ever been to where I want to be. I, I do pretty much what I want, and I try to solve the problems that I think are important, and I have you know, 4X the time I spend with my kids than I was when I was in deep, deep entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and those were some of my goals, and I, and, I, and, I, and I had a pretty successful exit, and I made a goal before I sold and had money in the bank that I was not going to change anything, mm-hmm. and, and I can, a year later, Say that. I can tell you that I've downgraded. Oh wow! I spent less money than I have before. You know, I, I do like eating sushi once in a while. That is my that is my <laughs> one pleasure I give myself. But I, I've I've downgraded and and because I'm I'm happy with what I have yeah. and I've realized I'm chasing and getting more than the, my next door neighbor isn't going to do anything for mm-hmm. my happiness and and so I think there's with all this technology and all all the progress that we're having, make sure you're. Make sure that you've got your personal and life and in, in, in order, and, and don't get carried away with you know solving all the world's problems. And make sure you know seek uh, tranquility in, yeah. a, in a lot of ways. And that's and that's become one of my main goals. And uh, and I, I I feel like I'm on the path of getting there, and and uh, it, it makes me really happy. So I, I love do, I love technology. I love I am addicted to my phone, but I do <laughs> I do see that my phone has become the one thing that's um, gotten between. Uh, my family and uh, more than anything else in the last year or two. And so I'm, I'm really trying to devise ways that I can, uh, you know, make sure that I can still be productive in solving entrepreneurial problems, but uh, not, you know, these mobile phones have just really inf- infiltrated everybody's life in ways oh, we don't everybody. even know. You yeah. can go to events and no one's looking up. They're all looking down, right? Yep. And it's, I, I do think it's a social problem. I don't know the answer. No one's really addressing it because it's happened so fast. It's, yeah. like, a, it's like a fire... It took over everything too quickly to even have a discussion about yeah. it because we're all cul- culprits and in, in participating in it. So well, it's like like everything else. It's it's technology is has has two sides. I mean, obviously there's a productive side and there's a destructive side. It's always always been that way. Um, but but at the same time, in mean, looking at your your main points, it's it's more it's more of what you're creating and what it's what it's doing for for you first and foremost, and then for for others. I mean, I think there's just a you know fil- from a philosophical vantage point, you know you you always. When you serve and when you create something for somebody else, there's this there's this sense of fulfillment that that's kind of natural to all human beings, and I think right now um, there are a lot of people that experience that, but there are a lot of people that don't experience that. And I feel in in the technology space, when you do create these solutions and create this create this value, then there is this na- there's this natural fulfillment. And I think once that you know th- the discussion we were having before we got on uh, got on recording was a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of these startups, a lot of people they're 
you know, they, they create the success for them professionally, but they lose everything else. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, and that's, uh, it's, it's kind of the, it's, it's counter, it's counter to the reason why they were doing it in the first place. Most likely if you really get down to the, you know, to the, to the core truth and looking at this actual creation, I think people these days, that fulfillment is applicable to everybody. Mm -hmm. And you have the opportunity to create these, these solutions and the fulfillment associated with that is uh is, is gonna be there mm -hmm. but at the same time it's one of those things where you know people are destroying their lives with with creating so obviously you have to have have balance yeah. um but it's you know it's just one of those things where that's that's part that's part of life and you know technology has definitely uh taken over everything and it's and it's uh, it's interesting to to experience and to be aware of and I don't think it, it, we need to be afraid of it, but at the same time, yeah, you're you're right. As these, how quickly this, I mean, the tipping point was we're, we're past the tipping yeah, point, we're past the tipping and point. it we're we're right smack dab into this compounding of, of growth, whether it's the uh, Moore's law or, or whatever whatever you want to call it, where technology is literally taking over everything. Yeah. So there could be, you know, there is definitely a space where you know it, it's not going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> pl playing specific games and. And uh, not being socially uh, connected in the physical sense, not yep. not in the uh, you know the virtual sense. Yeah. Um, but no. But at the same time, it's it's awesome to you know just to, to talk to somebody that's experienced a lot of success in that realm. And I feel, you know, the, the people that I talk to uh, professionally and that our team talks to professionally, there there are people that are definitely in the space of, um, you know, what am I going to do for the rest of, of my life? Do I want to work for this one company and work for somebody else and march to the beat of their own drum of their drum, not mine? And there's there's such a there's such a drive to 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 have that drum be yours and to control your destiny, control your life, control what you do professionally. And it's the, the least riskiest time to figure out things to, to do in that space. Um, and so it's cool to have somebody on that can actually be a, a, a testament to that as opposed to us just, you know, being pure conjecture and, and, and you know, <laughs> philosophizing about things that we haven't experienced. Appreciate that. Yeah, that was great being on. Great show. Well, one one last thing before before uh, before we end, we're almost out of time. Uh, this is the second thing that I was going to uh, try to try to address uh, a few minute address a few minutes ago. Um, but my, you know, one of the things that I've uh, that I've experienced as a huge part of of success is is your your reputation and your relationships. Mm -hmm. And I know you are one of the most connected guys that, that I that I that I know and we were and we were connected through a, a mutual co connection, yeah, you know. Exactly. And looking at who I who I've been fortunate enough to meet and uh, I I feel there's there's uh there's so much value even though you can't quantify it monetarily, there's so much value in in who you know. Because as you said before, when you come up when you know, you're on your Evernote and you take take notes and you have ideas you have people to bounce those ideas off of, yeah. and having a network, being able to, to to expand to expand that, and have people to go to when you need to build a website and you need to do some marketing or copy or whatever. I mean, you you have your network, and you know exactly who who to go to. Maybe talk just briefly about how powerful your your network is, and uh, I mean how it's been valuable in all the different ventures that you've been a part of. My network is very powerful. <laughs> Beware. No, no my, the, I'll start maybe with how to build the network yeah. and how it happened for me. And I'll, I remember a time in my life where I was in a position of emailing a lot of people, trying to get them to use my product. And I was, I was in college and I was networkless for the most part, you know, trying to get into a, a world that was in the real estate world at the time and uh, commercial real estate. So I was trying to figure out to get in there and I remember just looking at my dad's email and he would have so many emails coming in. I'm like I hope someday that I can have people emailing me instead of first me just kind of always emailing people mm -hmm. and this was this is that was my life as an unnetworked person now now I wish I had not wished for that because it's because <laughs> now I have to careful you know, what you wish for yeah exactly yeah. but uh but um I, th I I think networks they slowly grow as you as you as you become more part of more uh activities more communities you you start to build a network but then there's you have a chance to accelerate that in in your life and then and that's and that's a choice it's not a, it's not a uh, personality you, there's definitely people who are born that can network that just talk to they're more natural people. Yep. but i i started to make it very um I, I have naturally have an interest in people and i love to like of all people i've never really like whether scientist or you know gamer or you know school teacher i i, I find value in in getting to know each of those people and you never 
you can't be selective in how you network too. I think I think there's value in almost every you know anytime you're at a, maybe a party you don't want to be at, like go go try to f- learn about the other side of, of life because there's problems. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's my favorite thing. I'm actually always looking for problems, right? I love finding problems. Like, oh, so teaching, this is what you have to deal with, or oh, you're a dentist. Like, so what's the di-? you know? I'll go on and everything, and and that's slowly kind of built a. For me, it built this, it's because I'm naturally inquisitive. I was, I started, like, these people come back five years later and, like, you know, I remember you were asking about these questions and now I want to do this. And so I've, I've built this network by being kind of this conduit of, like, causing people to think cool. about their, you know, their, the problems that are in their industries. And, and then I started to purposely, just like eating and drinking and going to the bathroom and showering, I, I made meeting new people kind of part of my, day to day grind. So it was, it, you know, I would never turn down an opportunity to have a lunch. I'd always take my employees out. Uh, any one, any of the, the newest person on, I would just go one to one them, and I would That's always, awesome. I'd always find opportunities. And there's apps now that do this. There's there's ways to go get lunch with people. I mean, there's meetups that are free that you can go to. Yep. So you you have to networking is it, the networking and the value of a network is so important that you that you you have to give it the same time that you would give. Uh, other activities in your life that are that are daily activities, and so I would I would just find ways to introduce a new person to your to your uh, into your network every every week or so or several a week, and and now it now it's now it's to the point where it's every you know it's every day, and I don't have to go looking now. My email is full of introductions and mm-hmm. and anything, and so in any given time, if I have an idea, I can actually go get to a CEO or an executive of of, of you know that industry to have I get my ideas vetted by by the people who would buy that company yeah. right if it was successful and that's and that's and that's now how the how powerful that network is because I've it's it's just grown it has it just keeps it inter, I introduce people and they introduce me and it yeah. just keeps going you know mind you it's in a, a smaller uh, market you know Salt Lake City mm-hmm. but. This is it's a small pond, but you know now. But I know the whole pond. Now. I know all the fish in it, and, and it really helps. It really helps me with solving problems, and mm-hmm. and, and because I, I don't have the inefficiencies of not knowing the right person to talk to, which is which is was my case mm-hmm. when I was trying to sell to commercial real estate. You know, ten years ago as a college student, I didn't. I was. I didn't even. I didn't even have a person to ask if the company I was working for was even valid to be working for. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Now I look at things totally different. And, I wouldn't have been in a position. I won't ever go back to a position where I'm, you know, pitching something that doesn't really even solve a problem like I was <laughs> at that time. I would, I would, I would company hop much quicker. So it's, 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 I, the net, my, the networks, any network can be very powerful no matter who is in it because you, you'll, you'll find that every industry has billion dollar problems to solve. And then, and then on top of that, you have to make it as, as regular as eating. You have to, you have to show interest in people. And 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 they're in the way they see things because they are every every person is feedback and they're you know they're a potential customer mm-hmm. a user and someone who loves to think about like user acquisition and mm-hmm. do people engage with products I make I, I always ask them about what I'm currently working yep. on and, and and but I mostly ask them about the problem you know like right now if I'm wanting to start a, a stoic retreat I ask them like do you feel like you just use your phone too much you, would it, what would it be like just to not have it for everybody hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Hundred percent of everyone I've talked to from the last two weeks since I've we've been developing it, except for one actually, and we've talked about a hundred people yeah. want to come down and pay wow. money to come, wow. pay money to abandon their phone for a few <laughs> weeks and eat fresh salads. <laughs> That's kind of like it's like I didn't think I was going to get even fifty. It's a hundred percent. Like crazy. this is a this is a problem, obviously. So so that's that that I don't know if that answered your question, but uh, that's how I treat uh, building a network and and my network, and I and I and I continue. I continually, I, I never, I can, ne- I don't want to be too busy for anyone. I don't like the, I really want to make sure that I always have available time to meet with whoever it is, a college student who mm-hmm. wants to ask me questions about mm-hmm. his idea. I, I, I will, I will drive out and meet them. It, that's an interesting thing. I don't think yeah. a lot of people do. That. I have time luckily right now to do yeah. that, but I, I, that is, that is what I'm trying to build is, is, is to be that person and be that and be available. Well, there's two there's two things that come in. We we have just a couple a couple more minutes, but the the, the two things I wanted to, to pull to pull from that is number one your reputation, uh, but number two the, the nature of why you want to network. And so let me I'll address number two first because I think that's really really valuable. Um, so I I read it was end of last year I read uh, an essay by Emerson mm-hmm. uh, called Law of Compensation, and it doesn't talk about compensation as far as monetary compensation. Mm-hmm. 
but it's it's how kind of how the, how the world operates and when you actually provide somebody value information insight you give and i've served somebody in, in whatever sense it there's a natural way of it coming back to you and you can call it whatever whatever you want but the idea and this is what i've tried to embed in, in what i do is and it's actually the, the theme for, for Paradigm this year is value before anything else. And it's how, how can you not necessarily take your network and, and suck from them, but it's how do you create your network and those relationships and benefit them? Because it'll naturally come back come back to you. Have you seen that? I, that's the reason I do it. Okay. I, doesn't, I don't even think about, I don't think about, um, I used to. I, and that's the other paradigm shift that I had to have is when I was a kid trying to get the deals, you know, and selling something, I was always like, how can I get my, grow my network to, to then, you know, suck from it? You know, it wasn't that, it wasn't that uh, yeah. literal, but then I realized that was my, my mode of, opera, uh, of, of operating at that point. And now it's, 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 I am, I have so much confidence and faith in that karma and that law yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of compensation, of, of compensation yeah. that I don't even think or ask or bill people for anything because I know it's going to come back in the form of an introduction. Yep. It's going to come back into the form of, someone asking about, well, what do you do for a living? And, mm -hmm. what, and then I, and so all the time I'm getting introduced mm -hmm. to warm leads that need to use my, my app marketing services. Mm -hmm. I've never once, you know, purposely gone out and tried to suck someone into that world. Mm -hmm. I, I go around and I help everyone I can building their products, building their apps, marketing their apps. And lo and behold, it comes, it comes okay. back in, in forms of leads just the other day from Michigan, from New York, from who knows how these people here find out about me, but it's always through that network. That's amazing. And it's, and it's never, it's never directly attributed to like, I went out and was trying to, you know, find that person and pull them in. It was always through someone that I've given to first yep. and then, and then they make that intro. And so hundred percent agree with that. And, okay. and it's, it's, it's definitely, you have to almost change the way you think though and, and not it's, it's a long term it's a it's long term so, it's thinking. backwards it's so backwards it's backwards yeah. but it's a long it's a long term bet it's karma it plays out yep. it works so the second thing too and i guess it plays right in right into this is uh is, is reputation and just like you know you probably experienced the same thing i mean i've, I've had you know relationships uh, come and go and my one of the principles that i tried to stick to um early on because i had a bad experience because i did not do the right thing i burnt i burnt a bridge mm -hmm is I, I swore never to burn a bridge again. Mm -hmm. And so relationships that are broken apart, even though it wasn't an equitable, an equi equitable uh, split, um, it's still, it's, it's one of those things where with, with who you are and your reputation is to always do the right thing and to always retain a relationship. Now, again, it's not one of those absolute things uh, because there's relationships that you can totally get, get rid of, mm -hmm. but the relationships, especially professional ones, uh, keeping your reputation of not burning bridges is is huge. Not burning people, not not circumventing principle to, to gain to gain a, a dollar. Um, that I mean, I, I based on your uh, response to that last type of question, uh, I, I'm assuming you're probably on the same page with me in that in the regard as far as your reputation is concerned. Yeah, reputation. I think reputation management is going to be probably one of the bigger problems to solve in the future with anonymity that's going on on the internet and stuff and. And I actually, my only company that I've done some angel investing in is, is a company called World Table, and that's all they're actually trying to solve is hmm. giving you a reputation score um, for your to use off and online. Wow. You know, they, he, the theory is, and the Forbes just did an article about them that it's 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 going to be like your credit score. That's how important reputation is going to be in the future, and yeah. they're, and they're managing it. And this company is trying to turn reputation into a credit score because it's that it's that it's that important. Um, Reputation is, uh, I, I've just like you, I've, I've had things where I've screwed it up and uh, I, there was a time, my, my, I think my, my happiest time I have is when I went back and I realized like I was, I, was, I was driving by this office where a bad partner you know, lived and every time I drive by that part on the freeway, I, darkness would come over me. I hated <laughs> this guy <laughs> and, and it, was, it was useless. And I, and I started to luckily have some success independent of you know, what, how he kind of, in my opinion, screwed me over, right? And when I was able to write him an email and say, I can shake your hand tomorrow and let that go, and and it, first of all, like, it, saw, it just was a wonderful feeling to not have that anymore and, you know, with an old partner, but then um, it's it's now, like, it also was part of my reputation. Like, there's no, I, I don't have to say bad about him and he doesn't have to say bad about me. We've solved that. And that was my only, in my opinion, that was, like, my only enemy. Like, the rest of are friends. Wow. And so you grow... You grow. You just. You really have to be. Think about that because if those. I've noticed easily reputation like precedes you, and 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 you can tell 
people will introduce someone like if they have a bad rap you'll find out pretty quickly Very it's quickly. We're, we're in a pretty transparent world these days and so i i don't have i don't have time it does not just like if we're long-term thinking in our in our law of compensation mm-hmm. you've got to be the same way about uh your reputation it, it's in google's you know google's punishing people and businesses now too that have bad reputation yep. it's hard it's hard to remove the the blight of a of a bad review and stuff. Exactly. And so it's it's going to be the same with people, and you know, LinkedIn quite hasn't quite gone there on the negativity. You can you can build yourself up there. You can't really rate other people, but I I, I wouldn't be surprised if a, more products come out like this uh, World Table product my uncle's doing uh, that I invested in. I think there's going to be more of those coming out where where just like Google gives you review, your your reputation is going to precede you personally, professionally, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Wow. So so uh, that's that's a. That I'm trying to be more, more aware of, and I learned I learned the hard way that it's darkness to 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 break off relationships and hate and to talk bad about people and to have those. It's just darkness. There's yep. no there's no time for it. Life's too short. Yep. Go go resolve all those you can as me, as immediately as you can, and yep. it'll and it'll it'll give you a boost in your reputation points. Exactly, and it'll come back it'll come back ten tenfold on you. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, I wish we had more time. We could probably talk for another hour if we wanted <laughs> yeah. to. But I uh, appreciate being here, Scott. Thank you so much for your insight. We'll have to have you back on uh, in the future. Thank you, Patrick. Yep, it's great. You've been listening to Patrick Donahoe on the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard for everything financial. Thank you for listening.